It's showtime. Showtime. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the Sons of Smoke Cigar Cast. Drew. Mo. Yo. Rich bringing the bull. Oh. Stole my line. <laughs> That's all I had. <laughs> wow. The cow. And Dave West. Let's get it. The wagon. <laughs> the wagon west. <laughs> That's right. Nobody I wants w- to be uninvited to the wagon. All right. Everybody wants to be invited. I want to take a trip down memory lane for a second. I remember the first time we had Dave on, and I was sitting. I remember where we podcasted. I was sitting outside in the parking lot at Casa de Monte Cristo in Chicago. It probably was our what fifth podcast ever, Drew? Uh, probably, Maybe even. probably so. Yeah, it was pretty early on. Yeah, yeah. and I, Dave, do you remember when you you messaged me on Instagram? Well, you messaged the Sultans on Instagram, but and then we just mm-hmm. started bullshitting, and then uh, the rest. And then is... I messaged Drew, and I'm like, "Have you ever heard of the cigar noise?" <laughs> and then we, uh, <laughs> and then we, uh, yeah, man, we checked it out. We're like, oh, what the hell? Yeah, the rest is history. The rest is history. Yeah, crazy, man. I remember, yeah. actually, I don't remember what we talked about on those podcasts, but yeah. I do remember the spots I was standing because mm-hmm. I, I, I pace whenever we podcast. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man, I remember all, I had only had like three or four little spots, you know, that was my zone, but. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> the racetrack, the, yeah. the rail yard, <laughs> drag strip in front of your house, <laughs> the woods. <laughs> yeah. Damn. And no matter where he was, he had the podcast outfit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That Dude. W- that wasn't um, until he was overseas and podcasting <laughs> yeah, in like his I, birthday suit. Yeah, I had to exercise my freedoms for a little <laughs> I had over there. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember the, uh, the, what was it, trash it, stash it? Oh, yeah. Stash, and trash, and ash. Yes, ash it. There it was. Dude, we need to bring that shit back. That was hot. We did. Yeah, Drew usually does it for people when we have guests on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally listen all the time. I knew that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got it. But we don't have a lot of guests on. Like, <laughs> some. But yeah. I remember, man, like, I think that if I remember correctly, the first time Drew and I, Drew and I talked about what three cigars would you take on an island, and I think back to my list, and I only really remember two of them. I don't remember the third. Um, but those two cigars are not what I would take today. Would mm. you even smoke them today? Oh yeah, for sure. Hell yeah. Yeah. I don't remember my list. Yeah, what were they? I remember <laughs> that you had the TNT. I remember yeah, that. Drew, Drew oh, I still smoke that. TNT. Yeah. I still smoke <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, but you're not taking that on an island. I might. Man, I I just oh, had my. one uh, maybe last weekend. I can't remember. I did recently. Last few weeks, I had one. I remember two of mine, and one of them was the Pepin 10-year anniversary, which at this point is kind of past its prime, but I did smoke one about six months ago. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one was a Partigas Serie D number four. That was one, I think, the other one, and I don't remember the third. That's good. But that Partigas is a great cigar. Yeah. I, I mean, it probably wouldn't be the Cuban I would take now. I would probably take, like we talked about like last week or the week before, the Cohiba Robusto, but it's that's still a phenomenal cigar. Yeah. Yeah, Series D is classic. Have you had the yeah. uh, the Medio, though? The Medio Siglo? Yes, I have. Yeah. Oh, I, man. That, that the replaced sh- the, the Shorty, Robo right? Yeah. Yeah, I like those a lot. 
Yeah, they. Um, I actually split a box with my brother of those, and oh, nice. uh, every single one drew. Every single one was perfect uh-huh. construction. I was shocked. Yeah, and you don't have that lull, you know. Yeah. It, it picks up right from the get go, and it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't stop. Yeah. I yeah, think I have one or two good. left. Yep. Great cigar. I don't even get on this. <laughs> hey man, is your ship? I just got nostalgic. I just got nostalgic for some reason. <laughs> and then I remember the first time we had cow on. So just to go back, Dave's like, "Hey, I got this buddy Moo Cow Rich," and Drew and I are like, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah, you know, we thought it was like some like uh, bestiality site or something like that. And then, uh, which wasn't I mean, entirely incorrect, but yeah. <laughs> And uh, you were, he was like, yeah, he's like, you know, contributor on Cigar Noise, and he's like a Reddit king, and um, yeah, so I thought, you know, I, I remember that. But which brings me to this. Who were we talking about with, about good cigar forums? Was that, that was last week, right? That was last talking week, about, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Danny talked about Facebook groups. Yeah. Right. Now, think about... If we rewind, I'm going to rewind to when I launched Patina. So let's just say two years. Reddit was a huge cigar community at that time. I mean, like, it was like the people that, if you're like a boutique brand, you definitely kind of want to be in their rotation because they they buy a lot of boutique cigars, right? It's a bunch of nerds, right? I mean... In a good way. I'm not. I'm not dissing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we're all cigar. Yeah, we're all cigar nerds, right? To varying degrees. But you don't really hear about Reddit at all anymore. Now, I remember the rule change with the cigar stuff, and I and I don't know if that took a hit. Yeah, but you can't trade, buy, sell anything like that on the site. So it's. it's Yeah, that sucks. But it, man, that's just a form that I feel like really fell off. Another one that we never talk about is uh, BOTL. That's a big group too. They have this, they have this get together at Monte Cristo in Chicago. I think every year, um, and people come from all over the country for this thing. And I don't know any of them. The only one that I knew was the uh, Ryan uh, from used to own Swinger Cigar. I guess still does, just not active, but um, he was a part of that group. But there are, I, I think these days, if like you're a little bit older, I think Facebook groups are, are where you're going to see a lot of your action. Um, yeah. But I don't, I, I mean, there's no like Instagram cigar groups. I don't think that's no, the thing. <laughs> there's no Instagram groups. Yeah, period. <laughs> uh, there's no, um, you know, but I mean, outside of really Cigar Noise and Cigar Dojo, and then some of these other ones that, are, you know, have their niche followings, there's not like anything that's just like, oh my God, this is where all the cigar people go. Right. Yeah. Yeah, my and answer you know, to that question would have been no, there are not any great groups right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, I think cigar smokers are we're we're an interesting group. Rich and I talked about this the other day. Like most groups don't have the same issue, but like you get a couple of bad apples in a cigar group and it just ruins it for everybody. Yeah, yeah. I don't know sure. how it happens, but it seems like it's just eventually 
somebody will come in and, and troll the shit out of your group and ruin everything for everybody. Right. And you know, you know how you guys like you get the flu as a guy, right? And you have the man flu, and it's like mm-hmm. ten times worse than a woman's gonna act in the same scenario. Because that's okay. how we are. Because we're we're whiny about it. Um, I think the same thing about man drama. You put yeah. man drama online, and holy shit, people lose their minds. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Here's the difference. A guy will forget about it typically within. 24 to 48 hours. Usually. You think so? In real life. Mo. If I get into an argument with my buddy, I'm going to forget about it by the same time tomorrow. Mm. I don't know about these online dudes, though. Maybe not the online yeah. guys. <laughs> I, but... I know guys still carrying a, a chip on their shoulder from years ago from crap I said to them. Jeez. Really? Oh, wow. What did you say years ago? Yeah, I can't you imagine you ever <laughs> being an asshole. I no, know. I'm not an asshole, but you know, you shut down like people for being dicks, and they remember that. Wow. Well, for some people, not agreeing with what they say, you're an asshole. So. Oh, exactly. You know. Yeah, you're like the pinnacle of human kindness. I think, Rich. Pretty I don't much. I think that's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, dude, I've got a theory that you get a bunch of guys together. Only guys, and that's when the man drama and the other stuff just takes off rampant. Uh, mm. I think you you put a couple of females in the same group, and everybody has to reel in their estrogen. <laughs> you know, they have to be like, "No, that doesn't yep. bother me. I'm cool. I'm cool with that." <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting theory. I, I really do believe it, man, because I work with uh, satcom dudes, and you put a bunch of satcom dudes in an office, and they are like ultra nerds. And you would think that they wouldn't care about anything but, like, comic books. But they get really upset unless there's a female or two in the room. Then everybody's suddenly cooler. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's the battle for dominance. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Interesting. I'm the coolest so- nerd in the room. <laughs> That's right. That actually brings me to a topic that I wrote down that I'm curious to talk about today. All right, let's do it. So most of the shops that I've ever gone to in my life, right, they have this one regular who's, like, super annoying, right? Not because they're a nice guy or anything like that, because nobody cares about a nice guy. Everybody likes a nice guy. Nobody finds that annoying for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not somebody who means well, but this, like, know-it-all jackass who thinks Mm -hmm. he knows about every topic and he's right about everything, right? Almost every lounge I've ever gone to has one of these. Absolutely. Did you just describe Jeff? (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, Jeff. And and this guy, like, latches onto you, right? Like, you walk Mm -hmm. in, you start talking to him, and you start being nice to that guy, and, like, Mm -hmm. he's on you like a dog humping your leg all night. There's a reason for that. How do you get rid of that guy? Okay. Here's my theory on that, and I've always said this. When you go into a new place, be wary of the the first person to come up and try to be your friend. Because that motherfucker has exhausted friendships of every other person there, and he's got to be the first one to jump on the new guy before the new guy realizes that he's a douchebag, too. Damn. That is deep. <laughs> I mean, have you guys ever seen this? Like, Mo, that's how we met. Huh? <laughs> so, so that's how we met. I know, but, but think about this for a second. So you come in as the new guy. This guy jumps you, right? Wants to be your buddy, this and that. All of a sudden, the other people start to accept you a little bit. 
and then they kind of give you the the full disclosure on that other person and why they don't like them and then you start to notice the things that they tell you about that person and then all of a sudden you're kind of in that camp where that guy like just man just stay away from me <laughs> <laughs> you're such such an asshole such an no, but it's, I mean, haven't you guys seen this in, in before? It's what Kyle's talking about. That's pretty that much. person. Yeah. Pretty much. How do you get rid of them then? Without being like a giant turd. <laughs> you, uh, you disagree with something they say, typically. And that doesn't get you like a two-hour lecture? That's what I've gotten before. <laughs> it, it might, but it'll be the last two-hour lecture you ever get. Oh, God. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know how you handle that. Have you seen that go? Like, like Drew and Dave, have you guys run into that, too? I don't get to go to a lounge very often, man. So, yeah, it's, that's not really, it's not my thing. I, I, know, I know Drew does. I, I don't much. When I do, I'm with other people, though, is the problem. I don't go by myself. Uh, you bring your own group, yeah. know it all. Then that that would be the other way to do it is you just bring somebody with you, and then you're like, "Hey, I'm I'm busy here. <laughs> <laughs> I came here not to talk to you. I came here not to talk to you. <laughs> exactly. You put on the big, big ass headphones. Sorry, I can't hear yeah. you through my headphones. <laughs> right. <laughs> just so strategy. Act like you're on the phone the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Just put your put your arm on his leg or your hand on his leg. That'll work. Yeah, the weird out <laughs> principle. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, why don't uh, why don't we get out of here? <laughs> I know a so, cheap, oh, um, cheap hotel down the road. <laughs> you see lounges all the time, man. Like, how often does this guy lurk in the cigar lounge? Work in the lounge? Lurk. You know, how often does he lurk? Oh, lurk. Uh, He's there all the time. This individual is always there. <laughs> Yeah, they, they pay rent. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it, it's interesting you say that, Dave, because the reality is when, when I go into shops, I'm only there typically for a little bit, and I'm usually there at off-peak hours. In other words, your best time to meet with the owner or manager or whoever the decision-maker is um, is typically like late afternoon or with some guys early morning. And when I say early morning in cigar terms, that's like 10 AM. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't get to interact a ton with the customer base on just shop visits. You do more so like tastings or events, mm-hmm. um, get to interact with people, but I'm not at the point where people really like, make that much of an effort to talk to me they'll mostly just try the cigars and go sit with their buddies if that makes sense now i've seen like i've been at a at a my father tatawahe event where pete johnson was there and that guy literally was surrounded the entire time by people Mm -hmm. i mean i was there for three hours and i don't think that poor guy had a minute to himself I believe it. Yeah, um, everybody's got to say they know Pete, right? Right. Right. <laughs> you got to be able to claim that on your business card. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, man, it's just a little bit of a different dynamic. Now, I've been lucky enough to where I've had a couple events where, like, guys that listen to the podcast or have been have known us for a long time, you know, through different forums or, uh, you know, Sultans or whatever, before Patina even started, like, those guys have made an effort to come meet me and stuff like that, and that's always been a great time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I really just, I don't really interact too, too, I don't get a chance to interact too much with people, like you know, actual customer base. So I was at that, uh, that event the other day with uh, Nicholas Malia, and yeah. it was only the second time I've met somebody um, from the industry that is not on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so There's only one person in the industry on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we've actually me, never though, met. <laughs> no, no, I was calling Drew. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, because you know, I mean, he he put a cigar out. You know, yeah, we did. that's that, true. That counts. That that's counts. True. I was there at a Absolutely. at a Salt and the Smoke event. Nice. Um, but it struck me as odd, and Rich and I talked about this too offline. But it's crazy the amount of people that will show up and walk right past the guy and sit down and smoke their regular cigar. Like mm-hmm. he's got yes. you know a booth and everything, and they're just like, oh fuck this guy, I'm gonna get a cigar and I'm gonna sit down. That, that happened to him. Yeah. Dude, it was I mean, that happened to me. It all blew the time. my mind. It blew yeah. my mind. Yeah, I didn't know this kind of thing could happen. Yeah, so Did that's I, like, a, I I can tell you that that ha- now okay. So here's what I'm gonna say about that. It also depends on the shop and your rep and um and how much behind their how much they've got weight behind the event or tasting, right? Mm-hmm. So if your rep is aggressive and if the shop makes sure that they highlight your, your, your products, then chances are someone's at least going to buy a cigar of yours. Right. Right. And believe it or not. And here's the interesting thing about foundation that I think a lot of people don't realize. And I've been on the road now for two years. So I I've seen, I've seen like this, what's hot now effect. Right. Mm -hmm. So like when I first hit the road, you couldn't go anywhere without people talking about Caldwell. Okay. Yeah. I mean, just everywhere you went, man, didn't matter what part of the country, Caldwell, Caldwell, Caldwell. That kind of slowed down about six months in. And then Illusioni had a huge run, especially like in the Northeast and Midwest, right? Where all anybody wanted to talk about was Illusioni. See, that's right. interesting because Caldwell does a lot of marketing and they do none. <laughs> but, yeah, but right. you know, <laughs> but but no, Illusioni does, man. First of all, they advertise on Half Wheel, which I think a lot of people don't realize. No, it's true. Yeah, I but do you, do you even okay, know right? that? Do you know that's their advertisement, though? Like their full page and Cigar Aficionado, or their their uh, Half Wheel, or their Instagram. Do you actually connect that with Illusioni cigars? I do because it's weirder than anything else that I see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they they do advertise. Right. So you understand. Okay. Then there was kind of a lull, right, where nothing was really standing out. And then I could tell you the last three, four months since Cigar Aficionado came out, all anybody wants to talk about is foundation. So if you would have told me six months ago that this happened, where people were just walking by, didn't whatever, I would have said to you, I get it. Because even though Nick... Nick Melillo has a huge history in the industry and whatever. The majority of people don't know what foundation is. Remember, yeah. 
there's a huge gap between what we see on social media and the B&M level. And I'm and it's bridging that gap that's the hard part, mm-hmm. okay? But to have that happen a week ago or two weeks ago really surprises me. Yeah, because and I think for he, the most part, they were smoking his stuff, too. Because yeah. it was, you know, buy so many, get one free kind of deal. Right. And, yeah. and so the rep was doing his job. The shop did a, probably a great job of displaying the product and, uh-huh. and whatever. But the majority of people on a B&M level are a different customer than it's on your social media. And they don't give a flying fuck who you are. Yeah. That's, that's what it seems like, like, man. Real big. Right. Yeah, unless you're Pete Johnson. Or, or like Carlito shows up. Or right? Carlito shows up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even Other, Carlito, I mean, he can live a normal life most of the time, I bet. And people aren't stopping that guy in the street, probably. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's kind of nice. Yeah. That's true. It's a trade-off. So that, that surprises me a little bit, Dave. But, yeah, definitely that happens all the time. Yeah, weird as fuck. People, if you're listening to this podcast, get your shit together. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Shake the man's hand at least, you know? Take a picture. Hell yeah. Yeah, at least do something. That guy's drove me crazy. That, that guy's done a lot of really cool things in this industry, man. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. So Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this then, man. I wanted to talk about um, cigar reps and what mm-hmm. they do, and you probably mm-hmm. have really in-depth knowledge of this since you employ cigar reps. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what do they do behind the scenes that we have no idea of and what should they do in a perfect world? So it's interesting you bring that up because we talked a little bit about this. I think, was it two weeks ago, guys? Uh, yeah, two or three. Yeah. So we, we discussed a little bit kind of like the different kind of reps, independent versus in-house brokers. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, independent brokers versus in-house reps, but you know what? All you could really ask them to do, man, is to present your product, especially like if you're talking to independent ones um, as a smaller brand, you know, there's only, they have to continue to pay for their stuff on the road and to be able to travel into whatever. So the, the majority, you have to be realistic with yourself and that the majority of their concentration is going to be on the stuff that makes them the most money right off the bat, right? Mm-hmm. Which is very difficult. So you're trying to build a long-term business with short-term focused people. And that's in any organization that employs salespeople, right? Because they want to hit their short-term goals. They want to get their bonus. They want to get whatever. But you're sitting here as an organization trying to build a long-term successful business, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, there's always that constant kind of like lack of alignment of, uh, of interest in that sense, right? Now, mm-hmm. if you're the primary focus of that person's portfolio, it doesn't fucking matter to you, right? <laughs> Short term, long term, what do you care? The guy's, you know, selling, um, selling your stuff. But uh, when you're a smaller brand that takes some, some love and some whatever, it, it's a different dynamic if you will what about like outside of the sales aspect like are these yeah. guys are they going into the humidor and rearranging stuff are they trying to bargain with the owner get a better spot in the humidor what are the best spots in the humidor what about some of that stuff yeah so there's definitely that there are um like i have a couple reps that literally will go into shops 
they'll look at the humidor, they'll notice that some of their, like, the lines they represent aren't together. They will go ask the owner and say, hey, man, do you mind if I move this, move this, and, and put these all together? No problem. And then when what you'll see is a lot of the independent reps, and I can only speak independent because in-house is a whole different animal, okay? Mm -hmm. But for the independent guys, you really know that they're starting to make an impact in their territory when the shops you go into start to have a, this is so-and-so's wall. This is so-and-so's wall. Do you know what I'm saying? So all the brands that this guy represents are now together on this wall, okay? And for me, I'm lucky enough to have reps that have some really good fucking brands. So it really helps a brand like Patina. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, now, not all reps are like that. But when, when you start to see them get that respect, you see that dynamic in the shops. And then they, that means that they have a lot more leeway in those shops to be able to kind of run, like have their stuff displayed in more uh, prominent positions and things like that. And prominent positions, do you know off the top of your head? I've heard mm-hmm. it before, but I, I can't for the life of me remember it. But, like, what are some of those key positions that you want to acquire in a humidor? It's got to be high level, right? That's got to be number one. Yeah, so they say that I think most people start walking. Is, was it left to right or right to left, one of the two? They start they walking, walking to the right. Humidor? Yeah. So you want to kind of be... You definitely want to be eye level. You don't want to be too high, but you don't want to be on the bottom shelf either type of deal. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, you want to be – you also don't want to be the only brand that doesn't have shelf talkers surrounded by a bunch of brands that do have shelf talkers. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, for, for folks who don't know, a shelf talker is like a little sign on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that talks about the blend or the brand or that particular line. You know, we're number two and such and such or whatever. Yep. Um, So there's some of that. But, you know, the rep is only going to be able to do so much, man. Um, I don't care who it is. Um, The rep has to have the support from the company they're representing first and foremost, but also... The reality of the situation is this, and it comes down to this, and I don't care what anybody says. If people are not going into a shop asking for your stuff, especially as a boutique brand, it's going to be more difficult for you to get on the shelf. Mm-hmm. It comes from, it has to be a demand, the demand driven placement is going to be the easiest. Doesn't matter how much the owner likes the cigar. Doesn't matter how much your rep tries to push it. If nobody is asking for it, it makes it a lot more difficult to get on a shelf. <clears throat> yep. So if association helps, like if you were next to uh, Tatawahe or Lugioni or yeah, one of these guys. Which, which uh, the rep, my rep in the Midwest carries both of those lines. So yes, when I... <laughs> When nice. I'm put on the shelf with all of his stuff, those those brands are right next to Patina. Nice. I can see it. Yeah, so like if you were next to Chillin' Moose or something, they'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah, so, are you, so I think what you're getting at is your brand elevated in those instances where it's placed with the other brands that a rep has. Is that mm-hmm. kind of where you're getting at? Yeah, I was just, I'm curious too if, if price matters. You know, like if, if you're... Mm-hmm. 
next to Davidoff, mm-hmm. uh, does that hurt? You know, because they see it's associated with the brand as far as, you know, spatially, but maybe they want to spend more on a cigar and yours mm-hmm. aren't, you know, as costly. Does something like that hurt? Like, is there a way to put it next to something that hurts it that's more expensive? Hmm. That's a really good question. That's a really good question. Yeah, so like if I had a big ass humidor and a lounge and you could pick any spot, where would you want to be? Mm. Sitting on the counter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's damn right. You want to be on that center table, featured cigar. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's where you'd want to be. Yeah. That's um, kind of a dodge, though, right? I definitely wouldn't want to be. You definitely don't want to be on the bottom. And you don't want to be in a corner. And you want to be by, and it depends on the shop, right? So if you have a shop that's big on boutique or even big on, like, let's just say, like, next level boutique, meaning they're, like, not really boutique anymore, but they're still not general or altadas, mm-hmm. um, you're going to want to be by the Tatawahes, the Illusiones, the Foundations. I think that that type of stuff, being by those brands, lends some credibility to yours. If Patina is going to be placed by a bunch of like really small boutique brands, um, it has a very good chance of being overlooked and being a brand that nobody's ever heard of, right? But if it's mm-hmm. next to these other better-known boutique brands, people are going to ask themselves, well, wait a minute, what? what's this doing next to these? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, in terms of like Davidoff and stuff, or you know, even Byron or Sans Pareil or these like higher ticket brands, those typically are in a separate section of the humidor. Espe- like, yeah. Especially if that person's a legit white label account, let's just say, where they have the whole cabinet and then all the Davidoffs in one place and that's how it's set up. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really not going to put anything near that, if that makes yeah. sense. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, that's, that's, to, do you think placement affects your seasoned cigar smoker? Or is this more for just, like, rookies? No, it affects everybody because consumers are still consumers. And if you look at, you know, we were talking what what percentage affects your decision in going into buying a cigar, right? And I will tell you that a cool band, for example, um, will get people to at least look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, they may not buy it, right? But they're going to look at it. So if you have, like, really cool packaging and all of that, your placement may not be as important. If you have more, let's just say plain packaging or, you know, something that's not ridiculous. Um, yeah, you're, you're going to rely more on placement. I mm. feel like. I feel like the placement matches pretty strongly with how much the people in the shop are about to try to sell that cigar. Yeah, right. that's a so great like, point. If you put it on the bottom, then mm-hmm. nobody at that shop is going to say, hey, this is my favorite. It just doesn't right. happen. Right, right. 
I mean, Danny was just in the shop. He took a picture of Patina on a bottom shelf, right? It was mm-hmm. literally the shelf below Roma Craft, which is on the <laughs> the shelf above the bottom, right? <laughs> but at least you're uh, by Roma Craft. Right, at least I'm by Roma Craft. But that ain't helping anybody. You know, Somebody's got to be that, on the bottom. That shop is literally... <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. Some of the, the boxes, there were, there were cigars missing. But the, the reality is when a shop does you like that, they're not really pushing your thing. Now... On the flip side, there's a shop in Michigan that I was in shitty placement, but they are my best customer in Michigan because they go in with their customers into the humidor and they show them, they show them the brand and they yeah, buy it. Make that and then sound. what ends up happening, and I, and I will say this in addition, all you need is four to five guys to smoke your stuff on a regular basis. Yeah. And it doesn't matter where the hell your placement is because they're just going to go grab it. And that's what happened at that shop. It didn't matter where Patina was. Those guys were going to smoke Patina every single morning that they walked into that shop. And that's just how it is. They, patina could have been, you know, uh, in the bathroom. And they would have gone and gotten it and came <laughs> to the register. And, you know, so there's that, that, there's that res- like aspect of it as well. Does it matter enough for, like, Padron and Fuente? Of where it is in the humidor. Well, funny enough with that, dude, is like those brands always get prominent placement because I feel like retailers think that those brands lend credibility to their humidor. Hmm. But the reality is those brands don't need the prominent placement. People are going to find those. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but they still get the best real estate because... It in, in the consumer's eyes and in the retailer's eyes, those brands legitimize the humidor. Well, that's why I was asking. It's interesting, too, because you, you look at Padron, right? You'll see the 1926 and the 1920, or the the, the 26 and the 64, right. amazing placement. That's exactly yep. where you want to be. Go right. shelf down, you're going to see the 1000 series. Right? Yep. That's like the second tier placement. Right. Anywhere else is like third tier placement, because that's just how they do Padron. Mm-hmm. But but that's what I was saying too. If I'm a Patron smoker, I don't I don't care if it's in the back or the corner or whatever. You walk into the humidor and you grab Padron. I'm not gonna walk in as a Padron smoker and look around the shop and see Patina sitting right on the right or on the the sale shelf or the you know cigar of the month shelf in the front. <laughs> right. If I'm they going, need those little lines like in the airport. <laughs> or the bus stop, yeah. you know? Padron smokers follow yellow line. Well, I'm just Wednesday, saying... Follow right. the red line. Yeah, <laughs> but but if if that's what I'm going in and buying every week or whatever, I'm, I'm just taking that, that particular person. Mm-hmm. You're not going to sway them to get Patina or Romacraft or, I mean, insert any other brand here. Those that yeah. are smoking uh, uh, that kind of stuff are going in, picking yeah. that up, and walking out. Uh, absolutely. Those, the consumer... You know, one of the cigars we don't talk about that literally is an everyday cigar for people and that's all they smoke are some of the thousand series Padron. Yeah. yeah Especially yeah. your older consumer. Mm-hmm. A lot of those guys, all they smoke is a 7,000 Padron, either natural or Maduro, but that's all they smoke. It's mm-hmm. a great cigar. You know, it is. Yeah, it really is. But sim- similar to a Romeo smoker or a Macanudo guy that all he smokes. Is Romeo, you know, 1875, that's all he buys, doesn't care what else comes out, doesn't care, you know, 
none of that stuff matters to that guy because that's what he smokes. And it doesn't matter where it is in the humidor. No, as long as it's in stock. Yep, that's it. And it I think there might be another level for Fuente guys, though. Just because they're one of those brands, I believe, that will just ship you the stuff and bill you Mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they have less Mm -hmm. in Keystone. So you you might end up with a shit ton of Fuente that doesn't even make Keystone for your shop. You got to put it somewhere so people buy it real fast. Well, you got to put it somewhere so you can qualify to get Opus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. All right. So, which, frankly, a good business move on their part. That's brilliant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you, you also, you, you know, I mean, it works, right? Because Fuente is Fuente. Oh, <laughs> 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 no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but. Yeah, man. And you see that with a lot of a lot of cigar companies now, big and small. The only way you'll get X or Y is if you buy, you know, X. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can only get this limited release of something if you buy this, or you can only carry our brand if you bring in, you know, three boxes of each line. Mm-hmm. You know, so you see some of that, which is. Which is understandable because even for me, like, and we've had this discussion, like, I have shops that only carry the Connecticut and I have shops that only carry the Habano. Well, I have two lines, right? So it's not like, you know, bringing in both lines is going to, like, you know, kill your pocketbook. But the point is that I would always rather prefer to have both there, you know? Even if one sells a lot better than the other, at least just having both there helps. Mm -hmm. Because when the broadleaf drops... You know, I want all three of them in there, mm-hmm. you know? Fuck yeah. But the uh, but that's not how everybody likes to do it, so. <laughs> in a perfect world. Um, speaking of this broadleaf, would it be all right if I segue into another question for you? Oh, yeah. Boom. It. Get it, Dave. Pow! Um, <laughs> so we know how Connecticut broadleaf and Pennsylvania broadleaf are a little bit different. They taste mm-hmm. different. They feel different. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Nicaraguan broadleaf? What kind of characteristics do we see with AJ doing it and Mombacho doing it? Like, what is it like? What does it taste like? What does it feel like? Um, am I the only one? Have any of you guys smoked the Casa Favilli or no? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that that's the new line by Mombacho that the pre-release happened, what, late last year? Or, yeah, late last year. Yeah, it's sold out in, like, no time. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is, you know, if you're going to go into that cigar expecting the typical properties of a, of a broadleaf, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Okay? Mm. Um, you know, Connecticut broadleaf and Pennsylvania broadleaf are very, very heavy. Um, they are a lot of times overwhelming wrappers in the sense that they overtake the taste of the cigar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, whereas Nicaraguan broadleaf, I feel like, uh, is a little bit more nuanced. The color is vastly different than the Pennsylvania and Connecticut varietals. Okay. Um, and it's just not as overpowering on the cigar. Right. Um, I'm not going to say it's like a Corojo or a Habano or something like that, but it's, it's definitely not like what you would expect. When you hear broadleaf and you're going into it expecting broadleaf properties, you are going to be disappointed. Understand that, it, yes, it's a broadleaf, but it's not like a Connecticut broadleaf or a Pennsylvania broadleaf. So it's not like earthy and sweet? 
or um, Indian sweet and spice for the Pennsylvania? Th- that's not what I found. Um, everyone's palate is different. Maybe other people do, but no, I, I found it to be. Now, again, the way that, you know, Claudio makes his cigars, um, you know, there, there's more, you know, it, it's not about the heaviness, right? So he's not going to dial in on those properties of the wrapper, you know, whereas AJ might, right? Um, so it depends how the rest of it is blended as well. But with Connecticut and Pennsylvania, I don't care what you put as the guts, that fucking rapper is going to do its thing. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Because if you're going to blend a broadleaf cigar, Connecticut or Pennsylvania, trying to minimize the effect of the wrapper, you're fucked. You have to, <laughs> you have to commit to taking the best qualities of that wrapper and complementing it to the filler. Because if you're going to try to overpot or like take away from the wrapper, just forget it, dude. Then don't use a different wrapper. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. All in. Yeah. So I, I And do we have a, a date yet for the uh, Patina Broadleaf? It is closer than it's ever been. I will say that. <laughs> Isn't that and literally true every day? Uh, n- no. Actually, it is not. Uh, a couple weeks ago, it's probably the furthest I ever was. Um, so, uh, with that said, um, there's even a possibility of there being, uh, samples at the show this year. So, oh. I can... so. Hmm. cool. And do you ever feel a need to name it something like, like Patina, Connecticut, Abano, Ooh. like mm-hmm. Patina crack shot, you know, Patina, uh, I don't know, something else like this, the, like a the picture name... of someone's ass. <laughs> <laughs> No, I've just always wondered about the naming protocols. Like, is it yeah. more, is, is it better in the cigar industry to name it after the wrapper? A lot of companies do. Or mm-hmm. to be more creative and just throw a stupid name on it, people go, ooh, something new. What is this? Uh, well, people are always going to love that creative aspect, right? But, but you know, man, and this comes back to the question, I don't know if it was Cow or Drew, but somebody said, when you're, when you're aiming your sights on what market you want to capture, is it boutique guys or non-boutique guys or both or a mix or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not, like, I know for me, I mean, like, okay, you look at Romacraft, right? And I know Danny's not here, but if, if you're looking at their naming conventions, they're all very creative. They have a bunch of thought behind it. There's really, like, you know, the, the new Baca, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an element of creativity to it. And, you know, whether it's Roma or Viaje or, um, you know, Dapper has a lot of creative names. Uh, so you, you see that. And, it, and it's awesome. It's cool, man. You know, no doubt about it. But for me, you know, it really, that stuff really doesn't matter, you know? I yeah. mean, I just, it is what it is, dude. It, it's, it's a Habano. It, what I want them to remember is Patina. Okay. Yeah, I can see it. You know? That's what I want people to remember because what I see with a lot of a lot of other brands is like you'll have a bunch of cigars made by the same company, but people don't realize that it's all made by the same company. And when I feel like if you're trying to build a brand, a long-term brand, um, you know, you don't have to name your cigars a bunch of different stuff. I feel like, <laughs> or like you know, like make it. But I mean, 
save that for later after you've got your core established and you do some limited edition exactly. stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Hundred percent. And that's so a, let that's, me let me interpret Dave's question a little differently. Yeah. In how many years will we see the patina reach around? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the five year anniversary. That's that's closer. That it's part. closer than it's ever been. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's gonna be a rar. It'll be a uh, it'll be a barber pole. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Yeah. It'll uh, be it'll be when, when Romacraft makes the cow magnum. Oh, uh, I do that. Needs to be a jar. It. I know. I told him. I told him even. We can switch it if he doesn't like the cow magnon. He can do the rich craft. Like no, the rich craft. <laughs> nice. He was just just as much not into that. So <laughs> that's okay. I, I think they're great ideas, Rich. Yeah, I know. You're I mean, such a visionary. Yeah. <laughs> that's one word for it. Uh, <laughs> so. So, Dave, last week you did a, a smoking experiment where you tried things that you would put in a plastic bag, and that uh-huh. failed miserably. Oh, what yeah. are you smoking this week? Well, um, we talked about pipe smoking last week, so I figured I would try to smoke a cigar in a pipe and see how that panned out. And uh, I just called it quits on both of them, actually. So I smoked some black honeys, one in a pipe, one not in a pipe, and... Oddly enough, I got a little bit more mileage out of the one in a pipe. Really? Really? Yeah. Yeah, it was it it didn't sail smoothly to begin with. Uh the pipe I had had a filter in it, which is just like a wooden piece that absorbs moisture. So I switched to a pipe that didn't have a filter and everything worked out great. But in the beginning, like I could smoke it for about five minutes and then the, the draw would just shut down. And so I'd pull it out and it was still going good. And I stick it back down in there and everything was great. But I don't know what happened, so I got a filterless pipe, and boom, it was good. It was it was really weird to say that it's good, but the other one, I don't know if maybe I'm smoking too fast because I'm out here walking and Ooh. talking and smoking. Naked. <laughs> <laughs> His neighbors <What>? love it. <laughs> no, no, I'm fully clothed out here for everybody, everybody listening in my neighborhood. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but uh, it, it, it was cooler. And so I think drawing through that stem cooled down the smoke. So whereas the other one, I removed the band, and it was just, you know, it was getting too hot, too nasty, too bitter. Uh, the one in the pipe, it, it lasted longer. I ended up smoking about another half inch off of it. Hmm. Yeah. Weird as hell. The flavors were even, a, man, I'm going to sound stupid saying this, but they were <laughs> a, a little better. You know, not, not quite as... Uh, I don't know. I got a little accurate at the end on the other one when I finally stopped. And I just, that didn't, I just literally got tired of smoking it in a pipe. It felt weird in my end. I think I could have went a little further. So you're going <laughs> to wasn't bitter or anything. I, <laughs> I'm going to say no, even though, I mean, technically if, if it works, it works, right? You shouldn't necessarily shut it down because you look stupid. But yeah, no, I, I think, I think I looked pretty dumb doing it. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm going to do it again, but I think if, um, if no, no, I'm not going to do it. Nope. I'm going to shut that down. <laughs> but if anybody out there is wondering if it's a terrible idea, 
Um, yes, I did look stupid. No, it wasn't near as bad as I thought it would be. But it's not good enough to do it again. Yeah, I don't know if it, like a Lancero, I'll smoke Lanceros even though I look stupid doing it. But <laughs> smoking it in a pipe, ah, yeah, okay. There's another, uh, another caveat to this because it wasn't a fresh pipe. I smoked a lot of um, Frogmorton Cellar, which I'm not a pipe guy. I'm not big into that kind of tobacco. I don't know exactly, but it had a lot of, I think they call it Latakia or Latakia or something. And that tobacco tasted like French fries and ketchup a lot. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Dave. So, so Dave. if you had smoked a lot of aromatics or a lot of other types of tobacco, I think it would coat the experience as well. And you can't take a fresh pipe, you know, especially like a briar or something, because you'll, you'll get that taste in the cigar as well. Hmm. So I don't know. Maybe if I just had a, a broadleaf pipe. I don't know. Smoked a shit ton of broadleaf in it. Maybe. Or maybe maybe some McDonald's french fries. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe you were just hungry. <laughs> Dude, the, the taste of ketchup in that tobacco was insane. It was totally there. Totally. And salt. Salty ketchup. Dave, you're weird. Man. <laughs> you know, if, if you got if if we got any Frog Morton seller professionals out here, if y'all can call in. 800-555-5555. Help me out. Bail me out. <laughs> There's a caller on the line. <laughs> Dave, you're crazy. Dave, you're a dumbass. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, I, I don't think I'll do it again. Maybe. If I do, I'll never tell anybody. That's my one and only shot. Interesting. You didn't make me want to try and smoke a cigar out of my pipe. <laughs> yeah. What, yeah, would I you mean, would you ever like finish a cigar in a pipe? So like smoke it down to like the band and then chunk it in the pipe and finish it. I guess if I really like that cigar, yeah, sure, probably. You'd try that. Have you ever done I'd that? Try it. No, no, it's my first time putting it in a pipe altogether. Um, I did get under the lip of the pipe. Yeah. So I mean, I was finishing it, and I just got tired of holding the pipe in my hand, really. But it, like I said, it was smoother. I got another half an inch off of it other than the other black honey, which I was smoking in my hand. So, yeah, I, I can definitely see it. I think the length of the stem makes a big difference. Cools down the smoke before it gets to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I do have to say, I just Googled Frog Morton ketchup flavor. Mm. <laughs> and there's a surprising number of people, like a really large yes. number of people, talking about a ketchup aroma or flavor in that Ooh, stuff. Fuck yes. So you are vindicated. Ah, suck it, Drew. You're still weird, but. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, when I first opened that tin, um, it was one of like the first five or so that I opened. And it was astounding. It was like smelling it was like smelling ketchup, man. It was awesome. And it smoked very much like it smelled. It's not like cigars where it'll smell like one thing and smoke crazy different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's... Thank you, Rich. Appreciate that. I had to find out. <laughs> you you should have just waited until the podcast was over and then tell us. Oh, dirty. <laughs> Can't do them wrong. And that'll that. do it. Oh, by the way... <laughs> <laughs> So, so Dave, we got you on, and I want to know something. Right? Mm-hmm. 
so what is it like to coordinate the blind reviews on Small Batch Cigar, right? So you, you do the coordination of this, mm-hmm. and you see it every week before it's posted. You come up with the formatting, all that good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. What's that like? Tell, tell, tell people <laughs> about it. Um, well, it's interesting. So usually I'm smoking the cigar uh, as I'm starting to compile everything, and I really don't look at what people say too much until the day of. Um, a lot of times I see the, the recommendation, you know, like box or five pack or single or something like that. Um, but I don't, I don't really get into the guts. So when I'm smoking it, it's really funny cause I'll see something and I'm like, Ooh, that sounds terrible. And then, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so funny how, when you see flavor descriptions instantly, your mind gets to work, you know? Mm-hmm. And like this, this cigar that you start off smoking it. And you haven't seen a damn thing written about it. And you're like, ooh, this is good. I like this. And you see somebody trash it, you know, and you're like, mm, yeah, piece of shit. This little <laughs> garbage in my hand. You know, like, it's, it's almost instant, man. It's crazy. Or somebody will be talking about, like, all these notes of this and that. And you start to taste it. And it makes you wonder every time how much is subjective, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, how much is, is what you're reading are you putting into your, your own brain? Um, yeah. it's also interesting seeing, uh, the, the differences and similarities because a lot of times they're not that different. So right. you see citrus, you know, um, or like, okay, if somebody says citrus and somebody else says herbal tea, you know, like what is herbal tea to this person? Is herbal tea more floral? Is it more citrus oriented? You know, there's. There's so many things that, that could be similarities. We just don't know how to talk about them in the heat of the moment. Yeah. Um, it's fun, man. It's, it's almost like an experiment every week, you know? Yeah. And you had recently published a, an article about the similarities in the tasting notes, right? Yeah. Yeah, which thankfully you coordinated and, and got all the evidence for. <laughs> but that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that was we, that was we huge. Showed, showed I think pretty statistically significant results that the the flavors in cigars are not BS, right? The Ooh. weird ones we didn't touch. We didn't touch that with a ten foot pole because why would you? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to distinguish salty from Himalayan pink salt is like stupid. Um, <laughs> But saying that there's wood in a cigar, right, is an interesting thing to say. Hmm. And overall, like, it's incredibly amazing how consistent we are in these reviews. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. It was cool. I mean, you see something like chocolate, and chocolate can take on so many varieties. Yeah. But generally speaking, we didn't have a whole lot of, uh, somebody says cedar or wood in general, and everybody else bypasses it. Or chocolate, and everybody else bypasses it. You know? Yeah. A lot of the heavy stuff, um, I'd say cedar, cocoa, leather, um, those those were pretty consistent. Pretty damn consistent. Hmm. You get into the secondary or the ancillary tasting notes, and that's when it starts getting a little, a little crazier. Right. For anybody that's actually interested in this, where can they find it, Dave? Mm. Well, um, I would go to smallbatchcigar.com. 
and click Daily Batch Blog and scroll down. Yeah. Can read everything on the way. There we go. <laughs> I'm trying to think what we called it. Um, it was a discussion post. So if you want it on the left side, click blog um, and then look for discussion. And it was talking about our tasting notes, real or fake. Pretty sure that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> cool. But the odds that they're fake based on that are about as, as good as your odds of winning the lottery. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because that's why mm. I started Cigar Noise in the first place, man. I was reading reviews and I was like, the fuck are these guys smoking? Yeah. I didn't get any of it, you know, like none of it, zero. And so I just wanted to start, you know, writing my thoughts. And turns out when you sit down with a pen and paper and a cigar and you isolate yourself from everything else, you start tasting shit. <laughs> and <laughs> so it ruined everything. But now I can taste <laughs> stuff in cigars. It's like, and, uh, it's yeah, so vindicated. No, no, it's just no. so vindicated, man. It's, it's like when you teach somebody to retrohale, and they're yeah, like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. That's exactly. that, that cigar has? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. What, uh, do we have any, let's switch gears maybe. Do you have any non-cigar topics for this week? Anything that we've seen, heard, that piqued our interest non-cigar-wise? We got deep mm. thoughts with Drew that needs to still come up. Ooh. You should just drop a bunch of Avengers spoilers on everybody. Maybe a little... Uh, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen any of the Avengers, yeah. so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little homeowners association story. Or... Uh, we had a uh, garage sale today. Oh, okay. So it was a last-minute deal for us. Um, we were supposed to be out of town, but... Uh, so we're like, eh, we'll throw some crap out there that we were just going to like take to Goodwill. Let's make a few but dollars. So we made like 50 bucks in the first hour and was like, screw this. Let's shut it down and get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we started giving stuff away to people as they came up. It was like, that's a dollar and we'll throw this in too. Take it. <laughs> garage, garage sales are the worst. I mean, yeah, when you're having one, you, it's you paid terrible. a lot more for that stuff. Oh yeah, but we were just gonna chunk it. I mean, sure. Yes, <laughs> chunk it. Mo likes that term. <laughs> so, Do you guys have anything embarrassing happen this week? Uh, no, not particularly embarrassing. But I will. You know, it's funny. So the okay. So just like cigar shops. If you go to the if you go to the gym, there's certain etiquette that you should follow, right? You mean like don't take photos in the men's locker room? Oh my god, that's <laughs> the worst. Do people that's, do that? Oh yeah. Yeah, they do. What? Oh yeah. Didn't I talk about this? I don't know. No, probably. Blocked it out. Okay, so about three four months ago, I'm I'm using the bathroom in the gym. There's a guy taking selfies of himself in the mirror. By the, by the sink where you wash your hands. So I'm like, so I finish and I'm waiting to wash my hands. And this guy's sitting there taking selfies of himself. And then he takes one. He looks at me, like gives me like an eye roll and waves me over to go wash my hands. Like, sorry, pal, that I interrupted your fucking selfie session. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, holy shit. But that's ridiculous. You, you never do that. You didn't ask him if he... Wanted you to take some photos for him? 
No, I didn't ask him hey, that. Hey, let me let me help you out there. Yeah, here, let, let's make this a lot quicker of a process. Work, work it, work it for me. Man. <laughs> yeah, work the camera, work the camera. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. <laughs> but the, so, so this one guy today is he. <laughs> so these two guys, I I call one of them Airlax and the other one Monster because he always wears a T-shirt that says like Monster on it or Beast or like <laughs> Lifting His Life, you know, one of these deals. And these guys are not particularly what I would call muscle heads, okay? They're not, they're not that big. I mean, it, it's like... Uh, normal guys. You know, yeah, just normal dudes. You know, I mean, you know, these aren't professional bodybuilders. But anyway... It's more of the, more of the 12-ounce curl than anything Yeah, else. I mean, it's... Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, so these guys always crack me up because they, they're, they're, like, they're wrapped up. They got their elbow wraps, their wrist wraps, their knee wraps, like... <laughs> like they're about to like you know enter the octagon or something, and um, and it just makes me laugh. <laughs> Watching these two is fucking hilarious. So for our, for our listeners that don't know what airlats are, basically it is <laughs> or our um, co-hosts that don't know or, what they are. <laughs> airlats are like okay, so on your back you have what you they call your latissimus dorsi, right, which give you your width. So there are some guys that have the size where it's like legitimate that they're just big dudes and then their arms, you know, are wide because their back is wide. Earlets are your arms are wide for some reason, unbeknownst to everybody else except yourself, okay, where you think that you got to flare your arms out to look huge and your body does not necessitate that flare out. Is that a good way to describe it, Drew? Yeah. Okay. So these are the guys that like walk down a hallway and they got their arms kind of sticking way out. Yeah, yeah for no All fucking right. reason. All right. So one of them I call earlats, the other one I, I I call monster, whatever. But so to, let's just take monster today. <laughs> he had his way. He he left his workspace like where he was working out and he went to bullshit with earlats. So this other guy goes and he starts taking the weight off, <laughs> not knowing that anybody was there. Okay. This guy runs across the gym. He's like, whoa, 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 dude, 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 what are you doing? <laughs> like, okay, so let me just say this. If you're at the gym, which is a public place, meaning you do not own the equipment at the gym, nor the weights, you may think that you own the place, but you don't. <laughs> you are there to share it. If you step away from a piece of equipment to go run your mouth, okay, for 5, 10, 15 minutes, Someone might come use it instead. So, do the courteous thing. Get your shit done. Don't waste time, and avoid confrontation. That's my PSA for today. Does or he just put a sock on it, right? Does he? <laughs> does he listen to the podcast? I, I'm pretty sure they do not listen to the podcast. No. Will they recognize themselves if they do? Um, <laughs> they might be like, "That's some other douche." Well, it's funny because the one guy, he he dips tobacco while he's working out. Oh, nice! So he, you know, he, he walks around like he's massive, and then I see him the other day, and I'm like, just you know, like I'm, <laughs> I'm like this fucking guy, and um, you know, he pulls out uh, he pulls out a tin, throws in a you know a, a wad or whatever you want to call it, pinch, and goes about his business like he's like tough guy, like relax. But why are you dipping at the gym? Jesus, Christ, stop it. You know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I went to the gym and I thought I was going to get membership, but there was nowhere to park, so I went back home. 
Yeah. <laughs> everything, the universe telling you this. Everything's so <laughs> heavy there. Yep. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> well, boys. Wait, hold on, hold on. What do you Let's got? Get our deep thought. Mm. You just got it from Mo. <laughs> you you can't pass off. Yeah. I was just, I was that, just getting, you gotta wasting, own it. I was wasting time so you could gather your thoughts here. There's no there's no thoughts. <laughs> I tell stupid stories. So I tell stupid stories so around the neighborhood. <laughs> oh. That's great. I think we should cow, do any deep thoughts? Deep deep throats with cow. <laughs> Cal, I mean, you've had some killer questions here recently. You know, what is cereal? Is a hot dog a sandwich? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't have anything more like that. But I did get some good messages about those. Did um, you really? Yeah, yeah. It it amused Sean's mother, the cereal soup question, which I'll call a win. Uh, so I'm good with that. So Sean's mother listens to the podcast. I don't know if, if they were listening while he was driving or if he asked her the question or what. Um, but I, I doubt it. I doubt she listens with any regularity. Maybe she yeah. does. Thanks Maybe for listening, Sean's mom. <laughs> we appreciate your... How many times you said that? Listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Last thing, um, I will be the guest on Cigar Authority next Saturday. Mm. Nice. Uh, which will be a, a great opportunity for me. I'm looking forward to it. Um, those guys had a really nice review of the Patina Habano, and um, I'm looking forward to uh, to sitting down with them and getting an opportunity to talk about the brand and, of course, mention the podcast and stuff like that. So Thank you. excited yeah. about that. That's dope. Nice. Anything else? So one thing I would I would be remiss if I didn't say, since Danny isn't here, uh, he's off at events. Uh, he's, I, I I think he's actually like Batman or something like that. He claims <laughs> he's not. Um, I think he's fighting crime, but he's he says he's at events. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think we have to end with make sure to smoke Romacraft cigars. Romacraft, uh, no, Romacraft, Romacraft, Romacraft. They got the the whole range for you, the the mild, the medium, the the full. Uh, I'm not sure what the mild is, but he claims they have it. (laughs) (laughs) So make sure to to buy your Romacraft cigars. Buy Romacraft cigars. That's great. All right, guys. We'll do it next week. All right. Thanks, boys. Yep. Cheers. Later, gents. See you. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening to the Salt and Smoke Cigar Cast. Be sure to check us out on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, email us either about the podcast or about our cigar line at thesaltandsmoke at gmail.com. Also, uh, if you want any salt and smoke gear, please get onto our website and to our online store. We have shirts and hats. If you're looking for anything else, please let us know and we'll get it up there for you. Thanks, guys. We'll uh, talk to you again next week. <laughs>